This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super J Cast presented by my bookie. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonalds. How's it going, Damon? We are great. I feel like Tony the Tiger there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you didn't like breakfast cereal. I really don't. I don't. Uh, but who doesn't like a Tony the Tiger? Um, seems like a good guy. Good guy to hang out with. Guy? It's a tiger, Damon. Um, now we're doing well, right? We're in the middle of, uh, not even in the middle, the openings of what is the greatest month of pro wrestling, and I think we've got uh, more than a, than a mouthful uh, that all the girls say when they talk to me. <laughs> That's terrible. Why, why are we starting off this way, Joel? Um, I, I, there was big silence there, and I was like, is this, <laughs> is this David grappling with the implications of what he's just said, or have I lost the connection there? <laughs> I'm grappling, a lot of grappling. Um, it's G1! You know what that stands for. G1 Climax. Great. Oh, boy, did we get some. We got some great pro wrestling. And I can firmly and confidently sit here and tell you, Joel Abraham, that I have my first, first, well, should I give, I got, I don't give a fuck. Where am I? I'm in a good mood. Let's give it all away. I ain't got no Patreon, no firewall, no nothing. Paywall. I don't got any wall. Wonderwall. I don't got nothing. Uh, my first five star match in this COVID era. What do you think of that? I can't say I'm surprised. There's been a few people throwing out the five snowflakes there. And I, I don't blame you because I think Taichi versus Yudro did exceed a lot of people's <laughs> expectations. So I'm totally there with you, mate. Even though I don't, not doing the star ratings for now because I, you know, I feel like we're on a different curve with this, you know, the clap crowd stuff. But yeah, those two boys have definitely earned it. Uh, I, was, I was talking about Jeff Cobb, Minoru Suzuki, sir. I, I'm letting you know that. Uh, no. Well, I mean, they, 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 they had a good match, but that certainly was not it. Uh, there was certainly that was not it, but we'll talk in great depth about the shows this past week, getting us back into the swing. It felt good, didn't it, Joel? That I mean, these felt like shows. Um, where again, I I didn't feel like I missed anything. There was nothing. There was nothing that I felt uh was lacking or of um uh just not quite hitting the mark. These felt like. Shows. I mean, yes. Look, we're we're trying to make do with the cheering and the, and the crowd noise, but these uh, these pro wrestlers put on a, quite a show uh, and enough to you could hear the gasps, you could hear people really wanting to cheer, uh, and a lot of ha- sore hands by the end of the night with all the clapping that was going on. Do you want some good news before we start, Damon? I would love good news. I I I, I I'm a. I'm addicted to good news. Give me it. All right. The good news is that me and Mali are allowed to return to China. Oh! 
yes. Oh, my God. That is fantastic news. Do you want the bad news now? Uh, uh, you got to swim. <laughs> Esther is not allowed to return to China. What, what the fuck? Well, I say return. She's never been there. That's the problem. They've, they've now said that everyone who has a who had a residence permit that expired during the lockout is free, is invited to reapply for their visas. Uh-huh. But because Esther has never been to China, she still needs that permission letter. And our province, our city, is, <laughs> won't issue that letter to a baby. So oh. I'm going to be waiting a bit longer, David. It's so oh. frustrating because, you know, see, I've got WeChat groups with all my other colleagues who are like, going, yeah, we can go back, yeah, finally. And I'm like... You know, the the Russell Crowe gif from uh, Les Mis. <laughs> it was just sort of peering through the window, looking all sad. <laughs> and this, I got this news, like, right in the middle of one of these G1 shows. It was it was literally as Taichi versus Suzuki was about to begin. So I'm sitting there, you know, enjoying my G1. Yeah, I can't wait for this. And then I see this, you know, my phone's burning up. Oh, China's reopened. People, everyone can go back. And then I'm reading it. I'm, like, trying to look for the anything about, you know, kids or babies, anything like that. And I'm just like... Uh, no, there's nothing there. No, fuck. And I just knew. I had it confirmed for me later, but I knew it was not going to include children oh. who were born outside of this situation. So it's just. Oh my god! I'm sorry to bring it bring it down. But no, I feel terrible. It, it, it was even. frustrating. Yeah, man. I, I I feel so bad for you. I really do. I, I my heart bleeds for him for, on, in this. I I, sh- I wish there was something I could do. I wish there was something anyone can do. Uh, we would do it. <laughs> we get our listeners to uh, lobby the Chinese government. <laughs> <laughs> you know Let what? my baby in. <laughs> I, I, I She's not going to do anything bad, I promise. She'll be uh, yeah. a net positive to the yeah. <laughs> great country of China, I'm sure. Yes. People will enjoy her. I'm telling you, all the locals, they will love you know, looking at her and pinching her cheeks or whatever the fuck they want to do. Yeah. They would, no, I'm not going to let them pinch her cheeks. That would be me. But Yeah, I know. <sighs> So, Should we move on to something something else? No, no, no. I, I, I got to get some you resolution. Want, you want to wallow in misery with me? I do. Come and join me in the muck. What? What? what I mean, is it just a cut and dry no? Or a, uh, we just got to wait for these, you know, the fucking red tape and blah, blah, blah. Pretty much. I mean, they. my city had been getting the letters for teachers. There's right. a letter that says, you know, this person is important for the economy of China and... We, we need to get them back for this business as soon as possible. Some cities, those letters included the whole family, but for my city, it doesn't, or at least it doesn't yet. But the situation is still quite fluid. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that things will change. Either my city will be able to get that letter for Esther, or there'll be some other rule that will hopefully allow Esther to return. But um, it's not going to be happening anytime soon. Would your school write a letter? They they have been, I assume, in constant contact with the local government trying to get those PU letters. Uh, and I know they've already got some of those PU letters for teachers. We've got some teachers already in quarantine back in China. Uh, but apparently getting it for a baby is unprecedented. That can't... How could that possibly be? Um, nobody has been delivered a child outside of China? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, actually, there, I, there's another teacher who's just given birth to her baby, and they're in the states at the moment. So, yeah, at least they're in the same boat as me. As long as there's someone else sharing in my misery, that's that's all that counts. Oh, well, I mean, listen, they probably got it a little bit harder, being that they're here. 
We keep going up, Joel. I don't know if you've noticed any of the numbers. People don't seem to care much anymore. But um, yeah, our numbers. Continue. It's all about the kids, then. We've got to save the kids from the the evil underground cannibalist Satan worshiping pedophile ring. That's <laughs> priorities. Come on, it's unbelievable. I saw Nia Jax was wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> Let's get things straight. <laughs> I don't even know what that meant. Um, look, it's crazy. Uh, I, I, Joel, I, 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 let's get, we will get back into G1, I promise, but, um, I, I feel terrible. Let's, I, if there's something we could do, let us know. Um, maybe it changes the next time, but man, that, that's fucking, oh, what a kick in the, all right, listen, how, she could probably handle herself for a couple of months on her own, right? Don't you think? Don't you think she's just... I mean, she didn't know how to make food for herself at this point, right? No? Yeah, yeah. We just leave her. We'll continue renting the hotel room for her. She'll, she'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. I mean, the remote's a little tricky, but... You know, I uh, I'm sorry, dude. All right. I'm not, I don't know how the fuck we transition into uh, G1, but uh, we're pros. And uh, that's, what the, that's what the kids are here for. So... Um, no, we're not doing it yet. Not, not doing G1 because... Oh. Oh. Shinya Hashimofo on our Discord says, Damon, please let us vote on the name of your garage bar. Mm. So I am going to send you a Twitter link. Okay. To uh, I put a call out for people to come up with names for your bar. So oh, you have shit. a look at that link and tell me if there's any that are jumping out to you. <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, status of the bar is very good. Um, it's uh, I put down money on a uh, that was originally earmarked to go to Japan. Uh, we bought a shed and we had to get like a foundation on the ground, uh, to put the shit that is supposed to be in the garage in the shed, bought all of that. So that's all happening this week. Uh, I had my friend come over to, who's like Mr. Fix-It guy and can fucking do all this shit. He, everything I threw at him, there were no worries. He was smooth as silk. He's like, yep, we can do this and that and bip and that, and then we'll do this. And why don't we do this? And why don't, I was like, all right. This is great. I've had two dumpsterfuls of shit. Clear. This is this is happening. All right. So the bar is happening. Maybe, maybe a lucky listener one day will get to the, the come. Maybe, probably not. I hate everybody. Um, let's do this. Uh, uh fucking Mike Fager. Uh, passed. Mike Fager chimes in. Passed out at Tokyo Dome before the show starts. Hey, listen, buddy. All right. It wasn't the shining uh, proud moment, but. We've all been there. It wasn't before the show started. It was about halfway into the show. <laughs> yeah, so right around when Lance Archer rolled out. That's that's the, one of the last things I remember. Um, let's see here. Uh, bleep, bleep, go have a fucking beer. I don't know what that means. Uh, the T-Bar, mocking the WWE for its shitty booking. Okay, this is so far no good. Uh, hurrah, another year. Surely this won't be better than the last. That's pretty good. I don't think my friends would be able to say it, though. Uh, the Watto Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, Damon's Dungeon, that's not bad. All right. Uh, the Armbar. The Life of Riley Reed. Okay, I like that one. Cartwheel Death Lounge. Cartwheel Death Lounge. That one's the top one right now. Cartwheel Death Lounge. I don't think my friends would like that, though. Uh, the Suede Oasis. Oh, I like that one. The Sweet Oasis, that's very good. Uh, bag of Socks Bar and Grill. No grill. Um, the Happy Beers, all right. Uh, Damon's Excursion, that's pretty good. Uh, Just Tap Out. Just Tap Out is pretty great. Uh, Strong Zero Alley, okay. A lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. Um, 
I've had other friends chime in with uh, names as well. I'll have you know. Um, I, I'm leaning toward one. I'm not going to disclose which one it is. Uh, but uh, a couple of the ones my friends have uh, passed over. Uh, Strange Behavior is one. Uh, the Penalty Box. Uh, Izakaya. Uh, and Discord and Rhyme. I like Discord and Rhyme a lot. Uh, a lyric from... Duran, Duran. Uh, also, the penalty box is in there as well. So, a um, lot, of, lot of choices. I appreciate it. Um, I will have a final re- reveal later on. Not this show, but later. But uh, I do like a lot of those, that's for sure. Some of them were a little hurtful. I like, you know, I'm trying to have a fun time here. And, you know, you got to, you know, stick a dagger in the heart. But uh, some of them are very creative. So, uh, great job by our listeners who are, dare I say, some of the funniest fucking creative people. Uh, when they put their minds to it. Thank you. Another question for you, Damon. Do you like tournaments? Do I like tournaments? I love a tournament, Joel. We've had a lot of tournaments this year, haven't we? We've had a New Japan Cup. We've had our junior tag team tournament. We had the Never Openweight yeah. Six-Man Tournament. We've got a G1 Climax. Yep. We have our Lions Break Crown going on at the moment. And rumour has it, Damon, that there are more tournaments coming up. Uh, not in directly after the G1. So after the G1, we already have our Power Struggle Tour coming from October, November. But the November, December, Little Birdies are suggesting that we might get a joint World Tag League Best of the Super Juniors Tour. Uh, you might have noticed this New story popping up in the Wrestling Observer newsletter with a cheeky little credit to one Super J cast. That's a, a big moment for us, Damon. It is. And, it's and you know, I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy for a second. Um, it does. Because, you know, when I started doing this, you know, and I we say it all the time. We just do it for us. We just do it for us. But when we, we've kind of grown, and um, I think we put on a pretty good show. And I think that that show uh, helped us grow, and I think Joel has helped us grow um, to the point where people in the company were listening and people were uh, noticing who we are, and that helped afford us uh, relationships and conversations and and uh, access and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, and you know when when we did. Uh, have these little tidbits that I think our listeners would appreciate. Uh, it hurt, <laughs> and we didn't get credit uh, in a place where, uh, you know, I've been a subscriber since the '80s, and um, yeah, it, 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 you know, just, just a little validation. That's all we were looking for. Like we know who we are. I, we just kind of wanted other people to know who we were. Um, and that validation is helpful. Uh, it took a little encouragement. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but uh, uh, it happened. And um, uh, that for that, I'm very happy. When Joel sent me that little screenshot, I was uh, I was pretty happy with him. I was a little drunk too, but uh, I was, even I was though you got the months wrong on it, what's that? I said even though you got the months wrong. Are the months wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, said, yeah, yeah. said October, November. It's not. It's November, December. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. That's all right. Uh, uh, according to rumors, Damon. Right, right, right. <laughs> all right. Now, I, I know we have people asking uh, pastrami sandwich, pastrami sandwich, and I think we're, I think we're, uh, I got some peppercorn lodged in my teeth. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we, I think we're confident in the fact that uh, pastrami sandwich here. 
Uh, your thoughts then on getting those two tournaments and what you think it might look like? Do you think there's any chance of them getting over any foreign wrestlers for Best of the Super Juniors? Like the format of this, is it going to be like alternate nights or do you think it might be like the first, I don't know, the first three matches of World Tag League, the, the top three matches of Best of the Super Juniors? How, how do you see this one playing out? I would love it to be like that. Um, if, if anything, any indication, I mean, G1 is under, these shows are two and a half hours, if that. Um, so it might be, I'm, I'm thinking maybe alternating nights, um, depending upon how many people they can get in for, um, best of the super junior, because usually that's a heavier mix of wrestlers that, that come in. Um, but Hey, you know, we're, it feels like, and as we open the show with, uh, it feels like we're easing up on that side of the world when it comes to letting people in. So hopefully by the time that rolls around, it'll be more people. Um, what do you think? I mean, I like, I love the idea of having a split card of having half of it be best of the super junior, half of it being world tag. Um, from a fan perspective, uh, if I were the wrestlers, would I want the night to be about what we're doing and then let them take tomorrow night or two nights from now and then vice versa? Uh, probably. Probably. So I would probably say they might go alternating nights. That would be my guess. Okay, well, speaking of tournaments then, I'm going to stick with the young... No, the Lions Break Crown. Mm. Wonderful Lions Break Crown that you can see on NJPW Strong, uh, which Damon doesn't watch because he said he hates it. No! He hates everyone who watches it, and he hates all the people involved in it. So That's not true. He's not, <laughs> not going to be talking about it at all. Uh, so, uh, we had our first round of the tournament there. I'll just give my quick thoughts on it. And, and to be honest, it's not... There's nothing like groundbreaking here that says, oh, you must see this. But if you are interested in seeing what is basically a, a rebadged Young Lions car, because these are eight guys who... Uh, you know, don't have the, the biggest names in the industry, but are you know trying to push through to get their moment in the spotlight and maybe get a little bit of a push in the future. We had DKC versus Logan Regal, and let me get the results up properly because they're. I, I suspect Damon that you are not alone. I suspect there are plenty of people who have not watched this and would appreciate being just given a nice little summary of what went on. So in the first round, we had Logan Regal getting a win over the DKC 6 minutes 31 with an inside cradle, which uh, was a surprise to me. I've been really impressed by DKC. He's like a kind of grimy, hippie grappler aesthetic. I, I like the submission grappling style. It stands out amongst the others. And apparently Shibata's been putting him over on the Japanese commentary quite strongly. Uh, this was, yeah, it's a good match. I mean, six minutes, all you could ask for, really. Good selling by Logan Regal as the underdog babyface. And it was an interesting finish, that DKC getting a bit cocky, showboating, and then getting rolled up. So a couple of surprise finishes here. So I, not one that I would have picked. I wouldn't have picked Logan Regal, who's mainly a tag team specialist, to be going through to the semifinals. Uh, we had Jordan Clearwater and Clark Connors. Clark Connors winning after six minutes 11 with a Boston Crab. That was very much expected. Clark Connors, I think, far and away the best wrestler in this field. And I expect him to win the whole thing. I just love watching him just dishing out physical punishment to these guys. He's got you know, knuckles grinding into the ribs, slapping guys in the ribs, stuff like that. And um, Jordan Clearwater, for his part, I think he was quite impressive. He's a tall guy. A few nods to his trainer, Carl Anderson, like busting out the, uh, the spine buster there. And it was just very 
well worked the way Clark Connors was working over Jordan Clearwater's ribs and then eventually locked in the Boston Crab so he's still sticking true to his young line roots and Jordan Clearwater just tapped out immediately there was no struggling no reaching for the ropes it was like ah my ribs have been busted up with all this punishment and he tapped out straight away which was nice it's refreshing you don't often see that uh, with people tapping out in matches usually there's a, a bit of a struggle involved there and I thought it was also quite interesting in the post-match uh, interview with Clark Connors, they set a low-angle camera, so the camera was looking up at him, making him looking really physically imposing. Even though he's not necessarily the, the tallest wrestler in the say. field, yeah. he's very muscular, he's very compact, he's, he's very well-built. So there was an interesting choice of camera there. It was definitely intentional. Then we had the third match, Danny Limelight defeating Barrett Brown in 9 minutes 31 with a symbiote DDT. And Danny Limelight's guy... A lot of comparisons with Rocky Romero. I try to avoid those because they feel sort of lazy, but they are there. I mean, it's undeniable. He's a, a more experienced guy than a lot of the talent in the tournament. He's been wrestling since 2014, I think. He's a he's a solid grappler. He's got some high-flying moves in his locker. And this was basically a showcase match for him here. I enjoyed his finisher, the Symbiote DDT. It's like a top rope springboard DDT. Brilliantly executed. It's really spectacular. So... Danny Limelight going through as I would have predicted. And then in the fourth match, we had Adrian Quest uh, against Blake Christian. Blake Christian winning after six minutes 49 with a move that he calls the Elia. And again, this was quite a surprise for me because I, th- I know you and I, we've both been keen on Adrian Quest. And I thought he looked very impressive here. Uh, he was also working over Blake Christian's ribs. And Blake Christian sold it tremendously, conveyed a really strong sense of desperation that made for a, a really dynamic, compelling match. And I was surprised that he managed to, to get the win in the end because I expected Adrian Quest to go quite deep in this tournament, but Blake Christian going through. So quite a few surprise uh, results here. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the second rounds because I always enjoy a tournament. So uh, yeah, these, these matches, they're very short. Like I said, most of them clocking in at six minutes. So it's, it's an easy watch. I understand why people are hand-waving and skipping it because especially with the G1, it's the last thing, last thing you want to do is, oh, I'm, I want to watch some more... New Japan wrestling, that's not as good as the G1 stuff. Because it's not, you know, let's call it what it is. These are guys who are uh, are not at that level yet. But if you have got a spare... I mean, let's say if you add the times together for these matches, we're looking at, what, half an hour? So if you, you skip all the pre-match and post-match stuff and just watch the matches, then it's about half an hour. It's, it's easy enough to do if you're that way inclined. So, yeah, good stuff. Thumbs up from me for the first round of the Lions Break round. All right, nice. That's a nice little review from Joel there. Again, uh, I can't seem to find a half an hour in my fucking day to do just about anything. Uh, so, uh, again, um, I'll, I'm sure I will hop in as the tournament progresses, maybe this week with the second round going on and the finals coming up. So I'll be there, trust me. I don't suppose you saw any of the Carl Fredericks uh, outfit, costume, ring gear controversy because he went on quite a passionate Die Tribe on Twitter. I think it was yesterday he did that. Why? Well, what happened there? What happened? What, 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 oh, is it the earring? People don't like the, uh, the, the, the tassels and everything. People giving him ah. a bit of grief over that. And well, Carl was very adamant to point out it was his choice. No one's forced him to wear it. And he did that specifically to uh, as a, a tribute to his Native American heritage. Oh. So obviously something he feels very strongly uh, passionate about. I'm glad he's, he's clarified that because maybe that's something that people didn't know. So yeah. All in favour of shouting out your your culture and your heritage. Uh, I didn't know that. By where you ring here. 
Yeah, but I didn't know that was that was a, a, a nod to that. I, I really wouldn't have known. Well, no one would, unless he, you know, unless people explicitly tell you these things. As a casual fan, you just, you know, you switch on New Japan World and you think, oh, this guy's wearing tassels. He looks like bon Starlust Genius or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going. Now bon we know. He's, he's educated us. All right. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Can I? Can I? Uh, I feel like that might be the job of uh, commentating, right? To get that. You know, maybe Carl whispers a little something in somebody's ear to say, hey, just make sure you mention that I'm wearing this because of this, blah, blah, blah. That'd be helpful, right? That would help us. Uh, we, you know, we're not going to know. Uh, we're dopes. We're pro wrestling fans. Uh, help us out. Help us out with that. And then and then, uh, and then, that would stop, right? Did he go on a big Twitter rant? Did he go? Did he go? He did. And I love Carl. I think he's a really talented wrestler. I expect a big future from him. But when I see Twitter rants, it does, you know, the red flags are waving, aren't they? A little bit. All right. Yeah, just let us know. I mean, nobody's, 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 honestly, if anybody knew that, they would, they, I don't think anybody, would, have, would half a brain would do that, would, um, you know, bury him for that. No. All right. All right. That's sorted out, though. All right. Good. All right. Coral can wear whatever the fuck he wants. We all understand why. Uh, away we go. Let's get into the G1 Climax then. So we have night three to discuss. Uh, I'll tell you what, David, before, r- rather than talking about each of the young linesmen, well, well, let's just do it, actually. First match, Gabriel Kidd defeating Yuya Uemura by 7 minutes, 21 seconds with a double-arm suplex. W- I was going to say, David, rather than discussing each of the young line matches, I think just the overall takeaway from these opening young line matches on the past few nights is that it's big, for one, Gabe Kitt, who's got his first yeah. two singles wins. He's pinned both Yuya Oemura and Yota Suji. And he's got a fancy new finishing move. Looks great, the double arm suplex. And we did wonder whether there would be a kind of hierarchy within these young line openers that Oemura was going to beat everyone, Suji was going to beat Kid, and then Kid was just going to take defeats. But it's not the case. It looks like there's going to be a bit of parity there. So that certainly makes things more interesting. And Gabe Kidd just continues to impress me. Again, we can't credit him enough for what great decision it was to stay in Japan and uh, get him up to get himself up to that level that he felt he needed to be, both uh, technically and physically. And it's looking like it's pay, paying off dividends. The fact that uh, he has been given clean wins over guys who have been young lines since 2018. It was the New Japan Cup 2018 that Uemura and Suji debuted. That says a lot, I think. It says a lot that the company have faith in Gabe Kidd as a a big future prospect. Yeah, at least for now, right? Um, I mean, if they continue with this trend where it's Young Lions match that opens the show, um, and I love the fact that they mix them up. Um, and it does give you a little idea of a li- maybe a little uh, window inside of New Japan to see of, of, of you know, I don't want to say who they prefer more or who they see as a true star I don't necessarily believe that the the person who gets the most wins during this time is a person that they're saying that this is our you know next heavyweight champion by any stretch, but it is a little bit of a tip of the cap of okay we appreciate the work you know I think the person who uh, you know comes away with the most wins and again I love the fact that they keep rotating that um, so I hope that that's a continuing trend. Uh, I will say that it is early. And I would not be surprised if later down the road, Gabe Kidd picks up more losses just to kind of 
balance out the Young Lion uh, win-loss total, right, between all of them. So they're always good matches. I mean, they're, they're always – I mean, they're, they're – I don't – and I don't mean this as a knock, but they're a typical Young Lions match, which if you if you break that down is technically sound, crisp, everything makes sense. Nothing is goofy. Uh, good pace, you know, eight to ten. Not even that. In some cases, you know, pro- you're under ten minutes uh, from bell to bell. Uh, I, there's nothing not to like about them. And you would normally think, ah, oh, they're they're boring. Oh, I've seen one. I've seen a million. No, no, you really haven't. They mix it up. It's not this. Is this? This is not like, like. Dino Bravo Hercules doing the house show loop in the Northeast in WWF 86, where you're seeing the same exact match every single time. It's not it. It's not what you're getting here. Uh, I know people shy away from that in the sense of, uh, uh you know, you've seen one, you've seen them all. You re- no, you really haven't. Um, I love them. I think they're a great way to start. Uh, to get you warmed up and get you going. So, yep, right now, Gabe Kid, he's the guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see, um, you know, some losses come his way and we'll balance out who's winning and who's losing. So into the tournament matches themselves. In the A block, we had Jeff Cobb beating Shingo Takagi 11 minutes, 44 seconds with the Tour of the Islands. So that's Cobb getting a win over Shingo for the second year in a row. Yeah, You know, basic story, Shingo running into a bigger boy, Good match, nice little opener, nothing to write home about. It, it, it just, I think the more interesting conversation to be had is looking at the positioning of Shingo, who is a guy who it can deliver absolute exceptional matches. You know, some would say perfect pro wrestling matches when he's given a big stage, but it seems that he's not seen that way, he's not positioned that way by the company. And I do doubt whether Shingo is ever going to be a guy competing for top honours in New Japan. So those are my thoughts about Shingo Takagi. Jeff Cobb, it's two good matches for him. I thought he's been absolutely fine. He, he has got a lot of criticism for his performances last year. I don't think they were as bad as people were saying. I think it's just a question of managing your expectations. I think we know what we can expect with Jeff Cobb now and him getting the opening tournament match or the second tournament match is a good spot for him. I agree. Um... I think Shingo is, you would like to say, he's the future of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he's he's not 20, let's put it that way. So, I mean, he's, what, 36, 37? He's the same age as Naito and Ibushi. Yeah. You know, two guys who, would you say, are in their prime? I mean, in, in terms of booking, yeah, I guess so, certainly for Naito. But physically, probably best days behind them, certainly for Naito. But, uh, yeah, you do wonder when you look at those two guys and Shingo is the same age and I've said before do they just view him as a Dragon Gate guy who they can use to put over other guys and occasionally have brilliant matches I hope not I, re- I really hope not um, look I, I just think he's a, he is an exceptional talent um, and, and I think he can work well with a wide variety of opponents um, and I think that I hate using the word deserves in pro wrestling, but 
this is a guy that I feel like it would be wasted if he was just a person that put over other guys. Um, you know, imagine him with a with an if and when they decide to split an intercontinental title. Imagine him feuding with you know, some of the top guys: Abushi, Osprey. Uh, you know, go down the line. The guy doesn't have bad matches with people. You could you could have any program. Um, so no, I mean to me, he is a guy that you can you could put a title on a guy, uh, and it would work for me match quality wise tremendously. And I think even storyline wise, it would work perfectly. Um, I think there's more that he can give to the company, um, and I think the, I think the company can reward that as well. We also had Dave writing into us to say that, you know, we're having the Jeff Hogg conversation last week. In the Japanese language, Taichi was calling him, he changed Kobu to Kobuta, which means piglet. So he was basically calling him Jeff Piglet. So there we go. Cleared up that from last week. So thank you, Dave. Uh, Third match on the card was Kazuchika Okada defeating Yujiro Takahashi in 12 minutes, one second with the money clip. This was slow, as you would expect. It was pretty sloppy in parts. Like there was one moment Okada looked like he nearly dropped Yudro on his head for the tombstone. He was really struggling to keep him up there. Uh, I think it was interesting, as I said before, Yudro's wrestling mostly clean here. It seems that Jay White has got dibs on the bullshit in this block. And Okada, of course, the story, you know, he's got his back all taped up. But he did take a ton of back bumps. Like he Yudro got in ninety percent of the offense on Felt this like match. It. And then at the end Okada squeaks out the win with a money clip. So just looking at the way that match was laid out, I did say on Twitter, I'm like, okay, this is clearly intentional. And in the post-match promo, Okada acknowledged that. He says, you know, wasn't his best. He somehow managed to escape, should have prepared better, blah, blah, blah. So it's clear that it's storyline, but it's also boring and disappointing to watch. So I think I, I'm at the point where, like, yeah, we all know it's a story, but... Uh, I'm going to talk more about Okada later, but it just it seems it's a it's a strange choice, and uh, arguing over whether or not it's intentional kind of misses the point for me when it's supposed to be entertaining, and what we're watching for me is not entertaining; it's dull. Right. The the, the idea, and correct me if I'm wrong, is to take arguably the best wrestler you have in your company and make him bad. <laughs> That's a storyline. That's that's entertaining. That's what we anybody wants to see. I mean, I know there are people that love to see, you know, Okada, you know, fall from grace, but yeah, come on. He's arguably, arguably the best guy in the company. Uh and and dare I say, isn't this very similar to his uh, balloon phase to a certain degree? I mean, is, is the storyline? I'm I'm stubborn and I want to get over this hold, and I refuse to do anything else. But yeah, this that, that, that's the thing, and that's what I have trouble connecting with because, like, not only is it dull to watch, but where where's the emotional engagement with this? Like, why am I supposed to empathize with this struggle? When it's completely self-imposed. Because it would be like Okada saying, right, I'm going to wrestle with one arm tied behind my back. Like, okay, I get the story, but I'm not cheering for you to win because you're not fun to watch. I think you're being a stubborn idiot for doing this to yourself. Right. 
it's it's it really that's what it that's the feeling I I get and maybe maybe there's something lost in translation, but that's what I get. That's what I feel. I feel I got a guy who refuses to go to the next level in the biggest tournament of the year. Uh, that that seems selfish, uh, stubborn, uh, bullheaded. Uh, you know, where, what am I supposed to sink my teeth into here? Right, right, right. For people who watch, all right, listen, again, people watch pro wrestling for many different reasons. You might be the guy who, uh, you know, looking for stars or match quality. You might be the person who, hey, you know what? I like the storyline element of pro wrestling. I like the emotional attachment. Uh, I like whatever, whatever floats your boat. I don't think you're getting any of that in any case, no matter how you watch this product or how you consume it. Like, what? Like, is there anyone that's sitting here being like, ah, Chef's Kiss? This is this is this is the Okada I've been waiting for. No, no one is saying this. And 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 again, maybe this is a whole redemption story, and he's going to go on a, a a blaze of glory. Through G one, I mean, he's still my fucking pick. Uh, I'm, and, which I'm regretting right now. Uh, but no one is sitting here saying, "Ah, this, this, this Okada, what a, what a thespian." <laughs> you know what I mean? What a, what, what, a, what a, this will go down in, in history as as one of the defining benchmark moments in Okada's. No one is saying that. Yeah, and no one's cheering for me either. There's no one watching going, oh, come on, Okada, you can, oh, what a shame. You were so close right. there. You, you tried your best. Uh, I'm still rooting for you. People are watching it, you fucking idiot. Why don't you use your proper moves? You <laughs> absolute dick. Right. People are actively rooting against him because of this. You know that. Like, people are sitting there saying, oh, well, you're going to be a dickhead? All right. I hope you do lose. <laughs> right? Right? You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not you. You're and you, and here it is. It's not like you're just going through a funk and uh, like you're purposely not doing you. <laughs> what are you doing? And it's everything. When was the last time you saw the money drop? When was the last time you saw the fucking gold purple robe? The like the whole rebranding of him seems off. Again, I hate to beat a dead horse. I fucking hate that jacket. And I'm sorry, I hated it from the first time I fucking saw it as he rolled out, as you woke me up and, and said, look at this entrance. I was like, uh, looks weird. Let me go back to sleep. Uh, it, I don't like it. I don't think it's, I, it's, it's I, I understand people can't do the same fucking shit year after year after year. And they want to change and tweak. Look, whatever this is, ah, this ain't it. This ain't it. And I'll go so far as to say this storyline while we're in kind of like the the beginning, you know, we're we're learning about this and we're kind of getting our wrapping our heads around it. I don't think many people are feeling it. Yeah, and this is something we're going to come back to when we discuss the Jay White match. But certainly, when it came to this Udro match, uh, I mean, was it any better than the the series that they had before? You know, with a KOPW qualifying match and all that. No. I mean, I, and also the, the worst bit is, it makes me 
re-examine that feud and think, you know, everyone's shouting Yujiro for that. Maybe that was unfair. I think it was... I mean, look, I think... Because here's the thing. People went into it like, Yujiro? Okada's going to fucking spend three months fucking around with Yujiro? I mean, look, in the and I say that in like the pecking order of New Japan. Like, it seemed like a long fall from grace to, to now be feuding, dare I say. Not just having a little couple, you know, like a legitimate feud with a guy who takes clean pinfalls in six-man tags. That's, you know, and let's add to that. Now we fast forward to G1, and Okada can't beat Yujiro in under 10 minutes. Right? In G1, and I know that we're trying to make everybody equal and make everybody seem like they have a chance. But again, a guy who takes fucking falls in six-man tags can make it past 10 minutes against a multi-time world champion, headlines the Tokyo Dome, and and dare I say the, the top star of the promotion. Something ain't right. Well, let's go to the next match then, which was Minoru Suzuki and Taichi. So Taichi defeating Minoru Suzuki in 12 minutes, 11 seconds with a black Mephisto. So I don't think the match was anything special from an in-ring perspective. You know, a lot of brawling on the outside with chairs and then we are closing stretch in the middle. But I, I think the important takeaway here is the huge growth for Taichi both in terms of his character development and his positioning within the company. Just little moments like him kicking away the microphone stand and, and looking at the iron claw and not using it. I think there is some significance in that because he's only the third person to beat their faction leader in a G1 in recent history, you know, since, what, 2015? So I'm not necessarily saying that, it, right, that's it, it's not Suzuki and it's Taichi good now, but these wins over the faction leaders, they don't come very often. And Taichi got a big one here. Yeah, that Kevin Kelly acknowledged. You hear he uh, gave us a he little. Did yeah. See, so th- this is why you got to listen to the English commentary as well. You watch it in Japanese, and you watch the English when it drops because you you catch things like that. That's right. That's right. Kevin Kelly has no problem giving us credit. That's for darn sure. He's a good guy. <laughs> um, I like the match a lot, and I think I, I think I like the match more for the significance of Taichi getting the win. And I'm rooting for Tai Chi to get the win. Um, I, I think the one takeaway really had nothing to do with the physical aspect of the match, which which at times was pretty brutal, right? It, 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 especially the beginning of the match. Uh, there was one shot, Tai Chi in the corner, kind of just looking down and being like, "All right, I got, I gotta, I gotta put in some work here." Um, and I like those little, those little moments in the match, those little camera shots that kind of signify the significance. You know, that kind of match the moment. I, lo- I like that a lot. Uh, he also, let's, you know, and, and again, it's not like it's uh, other people haven't done it. But I like the fact that he uh, he got out of the, the, the gotch, the gotch pal driver, um, and then hit the Black Mephisto, right? Like that, I think that closing sequence is pretty significant as well. So not only does he win, he found a way to wiggle out of Suzuki's finisher and then pick up the win. Uh, these 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 are the moments 
that people look at down the road when when other bigger events happen in a, in a wrestler's career. I think I think people should circle that one. Uh, I mean, I, I you know feud, a takeover, a rebellion. I don't know, but I think people will be circling that match as a as a cornerstone to Tai Chi in the future. We did have a question from uh, Cola Blue. says, enjoyed hearing Kevin Kelly give you a shout-out during night three. Do you have a tally of the number of times you've been mentioned on commentary? Uh, I don't, but there's definitely a few. And it's always always nice to get that little hat tip. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean, he... I remember the first time he did it. It was a show at Corkin. um, And my phone just blew up. Um, I remember one time on uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, it was a Suzuki Goto match, the hair match, and uh, they went on and on. And even what was it? Uh, oh, what the fuck's his name? I'm having a, a senior moment here. Uh, who did he? Who was on commentating? Commentating with him? Uh, he went to TNA. Uh, Don Cal. Yeah. Um, he was going, I don't like Damon. He seemed like a jerk or something. Like, I don't know what he said. Something like that. But my phone was blowing up. I was in the dome. And everybody's like, fucking, they spent five minutes talking about you and not in the match. I thought that was funny. Uh, yeah, there have been a couple times. There have been, I, I would probably say at least 10, right? Uh, but every time, I, we appreciate it. Because, again, it's nice to be validated. It's nice. To we be deserve validated. it. We're fucking great. <laughs> I think so. Do you think? Do you think Harold gets upset when when Kevin does that? Well, it could be worse than the time that they shouted out the hairy wrestling fan. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, I think Don Callis was on that as well, and he says something like, "Oh, we shouting out marks on Twitter now." <laughs> so, yeah, let's leave that one well alone. Uh, move on to the fifth match, which was Will Ospreay defeating Tomohiro Ishii in eighteen minutes twenty seconds with a Stormbreaker. And we got more signs of heelish will here. And I think it's very important to separate that from the real life issues. I don't think this is a situation where like, oh, isn't this brilliant? They've capitalized on the real life no. he's got by turning yeah. heel. That's, you know, th- those two things are entirely separate. Uh, and this character that Will Ospreay is portraying where he's you know, smug, he's, he's condescending, he's saying he's the best wrestler in the world. Uh, I said on Twitter, it kind of reminds me of John Jones, the, the UFC star who... Early on in his run, he was trying to do this sort of good guy, humble, uh, oh, yeah, thank you, everyone. I'll just try my best, got respect for my opponents, blah, blah, blah. And then when he feuded, I think it was with Rashad Evans, that facade just sort of gradually melted away. And he just leaned into being a complete dickhead who was like, yeah, I'm the best fighter in the world. I know it. What are you going to do about it? No one else is on my level. That's the fact. So I think this is a more authentic portrayal of Will Ospreay. And he, like I said, he's got a, a very uh, slappable, very punchable face. So this was uh, him sort of leaning into that more. Um, he was very condescending to Ishii, like smacking his head, being a bit of a cock. Um, I would have liked to see more Ishii in this match. This It kind of felt like uh, an Osprey showcase here, which is fine. You know, lots of flashy, exciting moves and people like it. I get it. But it didn't. 
it didn't feel like a wrestling match so much as like you know when you get a video game and you you put it on training mode and you just like do all your best moves right. that's what it felt like it just felt like Ishii just taking Will Ospreay's entire move set and then that was the end of the match but again the caveat to that being I was grumpy from the news about China while I was watching this so maybe that affected my enjoyment of it somewhat uh, what did you think of the match I would agree uh, in any large sense that it didn't necessarily feel like a cohesive pro wrestling match um, as much as it did. Uh, I don't want to say a moves match because I think that's that's being a bit disrespectful. Um, I did expect more, and I hate being like, I expected, but okay. But yeah, I mean, looking at that match on paper, I, I did think it was going to be a bit better than it was. Um, not to say that it wasn't really good. But again, I think it was just a lot of... If, to me, it felt like a, a collection of great eye-popping moves. And there really wasn't any fabric that kind of interwove that. Um, and I think they were kind of a little... It, I don't know. Maybe it felt like... I hate to say this too, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, I felt like if Ishii took the reins of this match, this match would have been better. I was just going to say that, Dave. I was going to ask you, do you think Osprey is a guy who needs someone to rein him in? You know, it's not, not dissimilar to Kenny Omega, really, where just when he's off the hook and doing whatever the fuck he wants, things can get a bit over the top. And that's right. the kind of impression I got here. I would have expected Ishii to sort of rein him in a bit and keep the match slightly more grounded. Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad that you that you spoke up because I'm because that's what I felt. I felt like if if this were a match and it and it and I could be dead wrong. I don't know, but it feels like if 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 Ishii had the was was driving the boat a little bit more, this could have kind of felt a little bit more of of a of a complete match um, as opposed to again uh, moves. Uh, again, to be clear. I thought what I saw was pretty spectacular, but I didn't, I didn't feel like we had um, a tightly wound ball. I felt like we had some strings that were a little, you know, a little frayed. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you said that because I felt the exact same thing. I think it'll be very interesting seeing the upcoming match with Will Ospreay and Jay White because I'll be interested to see what kind of match that is. Is it going to be a, a cohesive, uh, believable encounter between two very, very different wrestlers? Is it going to lean one way more than the other? The, I, and I thought their anniversary match was terrific, so I'm expecting big things for that. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's move on to the main event with Jay White, where he defeated uh, Kota Ibushi in 20 minutes, 28 seconds with a Blade Runner. I thought this was great. I loved it. I thought it was better than their Wrestle Kingdom match. I thought the leg work was really great. I know a lot of people have criticised Ibushi for his leg selling here, but I thought it was really good here. But I, I thought the leg work was good, both in terms of Jay White's offensive arsenal and also Ibushi's selling. Like there were a few moments with, uh, you know, him doing one-legged moves, which I thought was great. And you know, we know Ibushi's a tough motherfucker. He's not gonna. Uh, he, he worked through basically the whole of the G1 last year with a legit busted ankle. So. I'm willing to give him a, a lot more leeway with that, and I think he did a really good job here. Like there was a moment where 
they were having a, a forearm exchange. Jay was inviting Ibushi, like, come on, come on, hit me, hit me. And then he just kicked Ibushi's leg out from under his leg. <laughs> I, I just think Jay White is getting better and better. And he's just a joy to watch for me. I know he's not for everyone, but I just thought this was a, a masterclass here from what Jay White is capable of. And Ibushi, very, very uh, well-fitting partner to do that. And, and Louis says, is Jay White the biggest heel in the G1 tournament? So uh, what are your thoughts on the match and Jay White? Yeah, I mean, I, I I go through, I I go through hills and valleys with Jay White. Like there are times where I I truly believe he's one of the best in the business at at uh, not only being a heel but just just in in ring. Dare I throw around the word psychology? Like I I really feel like he's has a firm grasp of what it means to be a modern-day heel in pro wrestling. There are other times where that sometimes, and that maybe it's the booking, maybe it's him, maybe it's that that might frustrate me a little bit because I'm not getting what uh, I need in a, in a pro wrestling match in, in many cases. Um, this was more the former. Like I, I just I was amazed by what he was doing effortlessly, it felt like. Like to have that much control and to have that much confidence and to have that much presence to be able to pull off what he did in a big spotlight. Like nothing seemed off, nothing seemed weird, nothing seemed ah what is he doing? Like none of it. Like it just the the, the one thing that kept sticking in my head was the control that he had over the situation. Like, I feel like he was able to take people on a journey during this match. Um, and that's there's not a lot of pro wrestlers that do that well, let alone do that at all. Um, and also, not, David, let me jump in. He's 27 years old. That, and he's yes, out that's there the thing. Wrestling like a you know, 40 year old veteran. Yeah. That's the thing. It's pretty amazing. If you if if you really think about it, it's pretty amazing. Say what you will about what you know at the you know his 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 body of work, and if it uh, scratches your itch when it comes to what you need in a pro wrestling match. If you're looking at that objectively, that was a, that was a master class. A, a pretty fucking impressive performance. Um, it's we all know where where it goes astray when it comes to Jay White. Uh, that if we're if we're looking at this body of you know this match and not looking at you know everything because again sometimes it frustrates me, no doubt. I think this match is one where you, if you put that on for someone, learning how to be a heel in pro wrestling, I would think that would be on the fucking training tape, wouldn't you? I really, th- I really think it was that good. Um, and also, and, 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 sorry, no, go ahead. No, I was, but you know, we can stick with Jay White, but uh, I, I don't want to take away from Kota Ibushi either, because I think he played a a vital role in making sure that worked as well, right? I, I, I can't 
discount. I, it, this was not a one-man show making Jay White look like Jay White looked. It, t- it took two to tango. And I think Kota Bushi might have been the perfect opponent for Jay White to make that happen. I was going to say, David, I think it's worth pointing out as well, we're stuck in this era of the clap crowds and a lot of wrestlers, very experienced wrestlers, that's totally thrown them off their game. You know, everything that they've been doing throughout their career to elicit a vocal, emotional response from the crowd. Now that that's out the window, they're struggling to readapt. But Jay White has just, you know, grabbed that situation by the scruff of the net and is just milking it for everything it's worth. It's like the way, it's almost like the clap crowds are even better for him and he just seems to be relishing every second of it. The way he manipulates the crowd with the clapping and it just, he's like a pig in shit basically and it's just, I've said before, it's just a joy to watch someone who is that good at their job and confident and also enjoying it because he just looks like he's having a blast out there and it's so fun to watch. Yeah, that's one thing. He, He has totally just embraced this character. Uh, yeah, and he does look like he's having a ball with doing it. Look, he's become a... He's, be, he's become a top guy. And I know I struggled saying that, but he's become a top guy. And I don't know what... Because I, I don't... Because here's, here's the thing. Come two days from now, he's going to be in that ring and he's going to... It's going to be bullshit and I'm going to be like, what? the fuck <laughs> maybe that's no, no, the joy the thing is Damon he, I was going to ask you about this because there was cheating in this match and there was a ref bump but I think it's important to critically evaluate each instance of that I, I think I definitely agree there's a, an argument that it's being overdone but it's not in and of itself inherently a bad thing I know we're talking about this on WhatsApp but I think if it's done, if it's executed well and the timing is right, the situation is right, it can be effective. And I think Jay White is definitely improving on that front. And I think it worked here and it did lead directly into the finish. I just feel that a lot of people are digging their heels in, firstly with Jay White and also this kind of little trigger that goes off in their brain that when there's interference or a ref bump that automatically makes the match bad. And I think that's kind of lazy. I, I, okay, I agree, but I will say this. He is the leader of the ref bump intelligentsia. <laughs> okay? Uh, he, you know, you look at his matches, they, look, they they do that for me. He could be in a great match, and then the ref bump happens, and I'm taken out of it. Like, so you're speaking to me on that. Um, and Why that wasn't the does, case in this Ibushi match? Because I kind of expected it. I've kind of resigned to the fact that it's going to happen. Um, I would prefer it not happening. I'm, I'm being brutally honest. If I never saw another ref bump for another year, I would be thrilled. If I didn't see a ref bump for a month, I'd be thrilled. They, It does get... You're right. When it's used and used in, impactfully and, and effectively. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. 
until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network 100 but just like any other booking uh idea if you if you you know run it to the ground you lose people, and that's that. That's what you get here. It's 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 the again. I, I shared with you the dusty finish. You know, the dusty finish. Again, for those who aren't familiar, is uh, hot challenger taking on champion. Uh, ref bump, shit goes down. Challenger pins champion. Second ref slides in. Does the three count? Place goes nuts. Title change. Whip a dip a dip a dip. Yeah, everybody's happy. Here comes the other ref, the first ref, the original ref. No, no, no. I disqualified him for hitting. And no, and it, you do that enough time, you fucking kill towns. There's there's statistical evidence to show that. I'm not saying that this is the same, but it could be. When people start tuning out. And I'm not saying there's any evidence of that happening right now, but there is a vocal group of people that are like, this is bullshit. I can't fucking watch this. I've had – Joel, I'm telling you flat out right now. I've had two people, and they say 
and I believe them. I have no reason to doubt it. They're like, I didn't renew my subscription. I can't watch this fucking shit anymore. They're that dug in on it. And it's like, okay. Now, that might be a combination of this. It might be a combination of uh, evil, which they weren't thrilled with. Uh, All the things that we talked about here. They're out. Okay. And these these apparently are lifelong fans. So... It it can be an issue if if it it gets to it, you know people I, I feel like people I don't want to say people feel ripped off but they kind of feel like they're just getting hosed with constant bullshit finishes um and I and I and I hate speaking for them but that's the way they feel. That's a very thoughtful, measured response there, Damon. I can't say I disagree. It's just one of those things where I guess the more you use it and the more carelessly you use it, then it loses its effect. But I definitely think when it's done right, it can be very effective. Um, 100%. There we go. Okay. Uh, Damon, what season is it? Oh, it's the season of love, isn't it? Right? No. It's the season of uh autumn i see some leaves changing uh uh the uh, season of uh oh wait a minute it's the season of sports it's sports right we got big playoffs cut right around the corner joe you're a big sports guy a lot of our listeners are big sports guys gal we're all into it and what better way and then to scratch that itch, because we know you like to put a couple bucks down, a couple shekels down on a game or two, because you're smart, and you know your shit when it comes to the NBA, when it comes to the NHL, guess what? I got a place for you. It's called My Bookie. Our friends at My Bookie. It's summertime. Eh, it's more like autumn, but at My Bookie, it can only mean one thing. It's Joel winning season that's right winning season means doubling your first deposit it means winning season means free bets it means super contests it means survivor pools and so much more listen my bookie winning season is all about your chance to win big nba playoffs full swing we got what two more games for the nhl maybe one more game that's going to be a big money mover. You want to get in on that? Dallas Stars or the Tampa Bay Lightning? Major League Baseball, they're, they're getting into their playoffs. UFC fights right around the corner. All the sports. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Here's what I want you to do. You make your picks. You win big. And collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets or... You can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. So I want you to put your big brain, your big sports IQ, and I want you to use this promo code at MyBookie. That's Super J. Super J. What that does, double your first deposit. So you put in 100 bucks, they're giving you 100 bucks. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. It's designed... To add more excitement to the sports you already love and the games you already bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, 
parlays. They're waiting for you You're at your fingertips. I'm hooking you up here at my bookie. Sign up now. Bet with the best. Enter promo code SuperJ. Double your first deposit. Sign up now. Bet with the best. Celebrate your victory. Winning season begins today only at my bookie. All right. So that brings us on to Thursday, September 24th, also in Hokkaido, with a B block this time. Uh, let's go straight into the second match where we had Hiroki Goto defeating Sanada in 11 minutes, 3 seconds with the GTR. And this was a match that exceeded my expectations because I did wonder what sort of effort these guys would have put in opening up the G1 action. But I thought they did well. Uh, there was no bullshit, no fucking about with the Paradise Lock. These guys just went at it. They went in hard. And I thought their movesets worked well together as well because quite similar positions for the GTR and the Skullend, which led to some exciting and smooth transitions. And this was a fun opener. It was good to watch. Um, and Adam also says, what do you, we think is New Japan's plan for Sanada after having matched the year with Okada to losing two straight matches in the G1? Things aren't looking good. So, Damon, your thoughts on Goto versus Sanada and the outlook for Sanada for the rest of the G1? Uh, I thought it was a good match. Pretty much what you would expect from a Sanada-Goto match, right? Solid work. Uh, I don't think anything blew anybody away. Um, I will say this, just as a full disclaimer, night four was probably my least favorite so far. Um, And I think this match was one of the better matches. And if I'm saying it was, all right, it was okay. It was decent, good. That might be a telling tale of uh, where night four landed in... Uh, my rankings of knights. Uh, Sonata be fine. And look, again, everybody starts. There's plenty of times where you know Tanahashi started out one year, what, 0-3 and, and found the way into, you know. In. Um, I remember the one year Kenny Omega lost to Yoshihashi and everybody lost their shit. Um, so, again, early returns don't necessarily mean where they'll wind up at the end. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that if you're a Sonata fan. Even though I have him, him middle of the road. You know, I don't have him even sniffing the finals or the semifinals. Uh, but he'll be in the mix, I'm sure. He'll be a, he'll play the uh, spoiler role for somebody getting in. Uh, but it was a, you know, I would say a solid match. I don't think it's anything anybody needs to go out of their way to watch. Yeah, I definitely think he'll, he's likely to be in a position to be spoiling evil in the final night at uh, Sumo Hall. Which brings yeah. us on to our third match, which is Toriyano defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in 7 oh. seconds with the Urakasumi. Uh, yeah. Kevin says, Joel, has Damon requested you tape him up like Yano Toru so he can wander around Penn Station aimlessly? Uh, <laughs> wow. I can take it you weren't a fan of this, Damon. Uh, this, this, this eight ass. Um, Tanahashi coming off one of the best performances he's had in years now gets rolled up by a, a guy with, with t- tape, athletic tape over his eyes. Ah, uh, this was. I think Tanahashi kind of loves being in that role, though. Like, he loves... He, he probably comes up with creative ways for him to fucking get screwed over by Yano. Uh, this match was... Nine sheets of bullshit. Um, <laughs> it's funny because the camera... Usually the camera work is really great in New Japan, but the one shot where Yano is has his tape over and he's he grabbed I forget if it was Marty uh referee 
grabs him. The referee gives him the gives him the office. Turn around. <laughs> Whoop, roll up. Uh, uh, come on. How, we can't rate something like this. This is not a rateable thing, right? This is just uh, silliness. It's just silliness. And I know people, there are people that get a boner over this kind of shit. It's, this is just not for me, man. This is just not for me. Um, I know it's a night off. I know it's the old, you know, the old Yano giggle party. <laughs> this, this, this is bullshit, dude. Come on. Uh, I mean, we're in the same boat here, right, Joe? I didn't mind it. I, I chuckled. And I think where I draw the line with Yano matches is he's got to come up with something new and creative. If it's the same finish that we've seen from him before, as we saw with the Sonata match before, yeah, we've seen a guy getting taped to a young line and get counted out. That's been done. Give me something new. And then, I've never seen someone blindfold Yano but then still get rolled up by him. So I, I did laugh. So I guess to that end, it was successful. So I, I mean, I laughed sense. at the fact that, again, Tanahashi lost to a guy who was who had athletic tape wrapped around his eyes. Like, to me, that just seemed ludicrous. I, I laughed at the, ludic- the the ludicrous idea of that that happening. Okay, so that brings us on to match four, which was Juice Robinson defeating Kenta in 17 minutes, one second, with a pot friction. I thought this match was pretty disappointing, to be honest. I, for, for me, the big appeal for Kenta matches are the stiffness of those strikes, the, the forearms, the kicks. They didn't quite seem to connect as cleanly in this match. It's like they weren't quite on the same page, so I expected more here. But, of course, we know why, Damon, and that's because Juice Robinson sharted during the match, if his post-match promo is to be believed. And Kenta also gave, given a tremendous promo in English after the match, talking about you know reflecting on his time in NXT and that he thinks the most important thing is not where you are, but what you're doing. Uh, so I thought the post-match promos were more interesting and impressive than the actual match itself. Uh, Tejas says, will Juice face Kenta for the IWGP US heavyweight briefcase in the near future, now that he beat Kenta in the G1? You'd expect so. Uh, so, Damon, what are your thoughts on the match? Um, with the, I, was, I was hoping you were going to talk about the promos. What are my thoughts on the promos? Because they were outstanding. How many retweets did we get? <laughs> I mean, just for... Not even our own content, let's be honest with you. Uh, I mean, you did make it nice. You did have a nice little headline there on, on your tweet. Uh, but we, what, we have over 200 retweets and fucking 7,000 likes and some shit. I don't know, some crazy number. But it, I know, it so was. that's the ridiculous thing that, you know, when we get actual exciting uh, rumors, you know, maybe like 100, 200 likes for that. But when I'm just copying shit off YouTube, then people will be like, oh, this is, this is good content, Joel. This is more of what we want. Right? Did it like uh, what? A Bleacher Report? Who picked it up? Uh, some other? Some legitimate? It might have been SB Nation, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's funny. Uh, anywho, it was a great promo. It really was. It was one of those. <laughs> I mean, just that is a dude that is just shooting from the hip and uh, having fun, time of his life, making it happen. Uh, the match was okay. The match was fine. But, yeah, I think going out of it, it's, it's the promo that, that everyone was talking about and continues to talk about, and rightfully so. It was uh, maybe maybe one of the most classic pro wrestling promos of all time. Uh, 
you know, that's juice, right? I think he's, I think he's, he's a uh, maybe the most charismatic guy in that fucking roster. Maybe imagine spending a day in Juice's bod and see what's going on in that mind. <laughs> fucking great. And even Kevin Owens got in on it. Didn't I see that right? Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, was it? He, he, I can't remember what he tweeted. It was, but it's saying that Juice Roberts is basically one of the best promo guys out there, and it's hard to disagree. Hard to disagree is right. All right, match was okay. I mean, I, you know, again, I, between this match and Goto and Sonata, I I put them pretty much on the same level. Um, maybe a star difference between the two, but pretty much the same level. Um, nothing, nothing that's going to blow you away. But if you haven't seen that promo, and how haven't you? Uh, that's that's what you want to do. You want to find that promo. I apologize. Uh, I'm recording in the library of the hotel, and someone is doing some vacuum cleaning outside. So <laughs> sorry about the noise. <laughs> I tried to get away from the noise, but look, this is just my life at the moment. So apologies, everyone. Uh, right, brings us on to Evil defeating Yoshihashi in 17 minutes, 21 seconds with the Evil. Uh, Damon, did you see my tweet with Evil's Wikipedia entry? Yeah, what was that about? You married, you know, a, lot of, a lot of false information there, I think. Oh, that was hilarious. Uh, okay, the match itself, I it's quite a controversial one. I think it is Yoshihashi's best match in a long time. And I know uh-huh. I even said this at the start of the G1 that Yoshihashi should be the sort of opponent that Evil just puts away in five minutes. But having seen this match, I realised I was wrong. And I think Yoshihashi putting in a performance like this and showing the, the fire and the passion to avenge his humiliation in the New Japan Cup, where let's not forget Evil jumped him and beat him down with a chair and made him tap out in about 10 seconds... And I think Yoshihashi just getting beaten again after he's shown this little resurgence and winning his six-man titles. I think that would have been a big waste for everyone if he'd have just beaten Yoshihashi handily there. So I think this is a more compelling, more rewarding story. It was really exciting for me seeing Yoshihashi trying to overcome all the odds, all the bullshit, all the Dick Togo shenanigans, all the cheating hurdles, only to fall agonizingly short at that last hurdle. So it worked for me. I thought it was great. I didn't... I didn't see it as Evil struggling to beat someone that he should have beaten easily. He got caught off guard by a guy who was fighting out of his skin trying to avenge a grudge. So I thought it was a very good match. And again, it's a a win for the Evil turn and the Evil title reign because the the potential of a win over this guy who is a former champion, now it feels significant. Like if Yoshihashi managed to beat him, you'd be like, wow, Yoshihashi managed to beat Evil. That's great. But he didn't. Uh, I thought... Even the butterfly lock, I thought was convincing here because Yoshihashi added that little twist. He had the little Kimura arm lock addition at the end and that made me sort of go, oh, I thought I thought Evil was actually going to tap then. So, yeah. uh, again, I enjoyed the match a lot. What did you think? I did. And and I think, again, the Evil turn, you know, if this were just regular old Los Ingobernables Evil, I don't think this would have near as uh, an impactfulness in this match. Um uh, are we ready to say something that I never thought we would say on this show? Yoshihashi's had a good year. I can't disagree. I think he's been one of the highlights of the comeback since yeah. the lockdown, uh, where a lot of people have not covered themselves in glory. He has been one of the few wrestlers, I think, 
to stand up and make the most of this opportunity. And I think he fully deserves his spot in the G1. And dare I say it, I enjoy his matches. I look forward to them. I tell you what, look. I mean, if we're if we're being honest with ourselves, he's had a good year. And I would not be surprised when year-end awards come, and they're coming quick. It's almost October, Joel. Jeez. Uh, he's going to get votes for most improved. Guarantee it. Um, and well-deserved. So, yeah, this match, like, I, I this is an example of bullshit kind of working. Like, having Yoshihashi having to overcome all the obstacles that are in his way that you were talking about. And he just couldn't make it happen. Um, I, I dare I say I almost liked that fact. Um, I don't know if it's the best Yoshihashi match I've seen. I have to go back and think about that. It's up there. It's got to be up there. Um, again, I just feel Yoshihashi is just a bore himself. But... Uh, put in these kind of situations, it does make him a little bit more interesting and a little bit more shine and a little more fire and a little bit more, you know, he's not that fucking bag of socks. You're rooting for the fucking bag of socks to, to get the win. And I know I was. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know what, what more you can do with that guy now at this point than that. Rooting hard for that motherfucking bag of socks to get a win over... A, a guy who's fucked over everybody. He didn't do it. All right? You felt that. That's good. It's pro wrestling. That's what it's there for. I say, it's like I said last week, you've, you're feeling something with evil matches and Yoshihashi matches now, which is a big win, I think. And yep. this is what's so great about us, Damon. This is why it's a great podcast, because we don't dig our heels in. If we've if we look at the matches and the evidence in front of us and respond to it, honestly and in good faith and again i feel that evil and yoshihashi are again more examples where i think a lot of other people are just digging their heels in and refusing to acknowledge what i think is some really good work and successful results but again your mileage may vary if you think it's boring then who am i to tell you otherwise uh, we're experts as who we are thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> yeah we said the match is good the match is good if you think the match is bad you're wrong Get wrong. Like, get on our level. Come on. Yeah. Um, all right. Main event then was Tetsuya Naito defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 28 minutes, 28 seconds, running right to the bell here, with the Destino. Tremendous match. It was a really nice mix of grappling, some surprisingly stiff striking, considering the, the guys involved. Very exciting scrambles, transitions that kept my interest throughout that half hour period. Thought the finisher reversal dance was really well executed, and it often isn't. It can be a bit stilted and clumsy, but these guys when they were sort of going back and forth between the Destino and the Zack Driver. I thought it was really great, really exciting, very smooth. And these guys have just got very, really good chemistry together. And there seems to be a real spring and a flourish to Zack's counters that I'm not sure was always there. I think that's something he's improved. Like there'll be something happening and then bam, he's like leaped on top of his opponent and he's got something locked in. He's like a, like a giant spider crab jumping on top of you. Uh, and I really bought the Zack Driver near fall there. So just, yeah, terrific main event here. Really enjoyed it. It needed to be. It needed to be because the, the show itself was, I wouldn't say a slog, but it was, you know, it was it was a little, it was underwhelming. 
Let's put it that way. Um, and the lineup, you know, on paper wasn't the sexiest. Let's be let's be truthful. But uh, and I'm not going to go so far as to say that this main event saved the show, but it helped that it was solid, um, better than solid. It was really pretty pretty fucking good. Um, I, I think these two have really great chemistry, Zach and Zach and Knight though. Um, I like the I I don't know. There's something about these two guys that I that I thoroughly enjoy together. Um, I know you don't like stars, but I kind of I I feel like I I it helps me tell what I feel of a match. And I was in the fours with it, um, low fours. So. Uh, where other matches on this show, you know, we might have been in three three ranges. Um, so I think the main event needed to deliver. I think it did deliver. Um, and if, of any match on this show, I would say maybe Evil Yoshihashi you would want to watch, but definitely a main event you definitely want to check out. And then we have night five, which was in Kobe World Hall. Back to the A block, we had Taichi defeating Yujiro Takashi 11 minutes, 3 seconds with a Taichi-style ghetto clutch. And this is a match you might look at on paper when the G1 was announced and they are oh, fucking hell, this is, this is going to be tough. But it was surprisingly good. I really love Taichi insulting Yujiro. I think he said something like, you know, he's got worse since No Limit broke up or something like that. And the fact that he baited him into what I thought was a pretty great strike exchange... Uh, and I, I love Nicole on Twitter saying that who knew Yujiro had a humiliation kink <laughs> there we go uh, other fun stuff was Taichi ripping his pants off and then landing on the cameraman and at, at the end of the day Taichi out shithouses huge huge gets the points in the end um, I think it's we should acknowledge that Yujiro has been decent for his spot we're not expecting Solid. great things from him but for the you know the opening match more often than not I think he's doing perfectly fine job I'm not you yep. know wringing my hands and gnashing my teeth. Oh, why is this guy in the G1? And to be fair, I was wrong about him because I said at the start, I thought he was going to be the night off. I thought he was going to be full of bullshit, but that's not the case. I think he's shown a lot more effort in these G1 matches than I was, uh, than I'd expected from him going into this. And, and Biss asked the question, who got the better match out of Yujiro, big match Bill or Taichi? So uh, what did you think of Taichi against Yujiro? And uh, what do you think, who got the better match out of Yujiro? Huh. Um. I think I liked Will. I liked Will's match. But here's the thing with him, with Yujiro. Like he's there to to keep the balance right. Like he's there to do as much as the guy in the ring that is is his opponent is willing to do. Um. He'll catch. You, if you are going to do super tope flipperoo, uh, he'll go on the ground and lie there while you lock on holds. He'll brawl with you for a little bit. Like he's there to match whoever he's in the ring with. That's what makes him a good, solid, you know, opening match guy. Uh, everything he like, nothing he does is super sloppy. Nothing he does is super spectacular. He's three stars. That's what more do you want? And he's a guy that's going to be eating a lot of fucking pinfalls. It's fine. That's what you want. You don't want anybody dangerous. You don't want anybody, you know, you know, like he's perfect middle road pro wrestler who's able to do a lot of different things 
and do a lot of different things effectively. Like for for an open like imagine like a Fale in that spot or like yeah. Uh, I was I just mean, gonna say I think he's taken Fale's spot. And I think he's an improvement on Fale. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, he's more versatile. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I think he's. Uh, I think he's the perfect opening match guy. I really do. I, he'll be in every opening match, and he'll do competently. And that's all. That, that that's really you're you're looking to get the guy out of there injury free. Let's be truthful. You're looking to get whoever he's in the ring with in and out of there in eight minutes, injury free. You got the right guy. Do you think he's going to go 0 and 9? Because a lot of people thought if he's going to pick up any points, Taichi would be a good opponent to do so. Yeah. But I can't see him beating anyone else. I mean, we had fucking Hiroshi Tanahashi get pinned by a guy with masking tape on his fuck or athletic tape on his eyeballs. Uh, nothing surprises me. Uh, I had him picking up what two, four points, something like that. And and one of them was against Taichi, so I fucking shot the bed there. Me and Juice, pooping pants buddies. Uh, I don't know where he's going to get fucking points now, but I had, yeah, I did have him with losing against Taichi. Well, on the other hand, Taichi is now 3 0. Yeah. He's top of the blocks uh, along yeah. with Jay White. So Matt says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy will you be to see Taichi win the whole thing? So, I mean, obviously he's not going to win the whole thing. He's not going to make the finals. But the fact that he is 3 0. I think is impressive and to be celebrated and is a, an indicator of how his position in the company has risen. Look, the, the, the Suzuki match, if that doesn't tell you, I don't, I don't know what will, you know. The guy's holding the fucking tag straps and I know people are, are, you know, they're quick to dismiss them because they haven't really been placed in the position of prominence, but this year, I feel like they have. I mean, if you're still doubting that, it's, I don't know. You're not watching. That's that's, that's really it. what it They're is. Not, yeah, You're really not watching. More examples of people digging their heels in with stuff that is evolving and changing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without question. I mean, I shared with you, you know, a conversation. I'm like, that was – you got it confused because you – well, apparently you haven't been watching. You have, really haven't been watching. Because you hear the name and you're you're instantly out. But if you've watched in the past year, at least two years really – you you'd be you'd be changing. You wouldn't be saying what you're saying. Like you, you're you're not watching. You, you've you've dug your heels in and you've 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 made your decision. And um, I wish that you could. Uh, I wish that you could do what you do in other aspects of your life, right? And apply that to your pro wrestling. That would have been that. That's that's. I wish I could have said that. Uh, but there you are. But there you are. You know, that's but that's a perfect example of people digging their heels in. We had Jeff Cobb and Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki beating Cobb in nine minutes twenty-four with a gotch style power driver. The match was fine. I think Suzuki's personality is carrying a lot of these matches because he can't bring the same physicality, the same pace and work rate as other people. And honestly, that's fine by me. I appreciate having the variety in a G one and I think people who do get wins over Suzuki still feel important. So for me, there is value to him in the G1, even if his matches start to feel a bit samey. He's still a champion. He's a never champion. 
Uh, and I thought, yeah, this match is okay. There was some nice variety to Jeff Cobb's game. There was a bit of grappling to start off with, which I like to see from Cobb. A bit of striking before we built up to the big power moves. So, yeah, decent match. Two things I want to talk about with Jeff Cobb. And I do like Jeff Cobb. But there's two things that I wish were changed. One, the that uh, is the gut wrench suplex, you know, the you know, where he does it multiple times, where really the bump is the the equivalent of somebody taking a hip toss. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it does not look devastating, even though you it, you're performing your feat of strength of of deadlifting the guy, you know, off his out of his boots to do it. He's not really getting that high, right? So it doesn't look that great. Like to me, Jeff Cobb feels like a guy who you would think would be like Road Warrior Animal, by the way, passing, you know. Uh which <coughs> well, excuse me, was uh pretty heartbreaking actually. Um, being a big fan of the Road Warriors, um, you would it could be like that, or uh, Steve Williams, or something like that. Like he just doesn't like he looks strong, but I don't feel like he's strong because it feels like he struggles with all these power moves. Like he feels like he's really trying very hard. He doesn't really get him up that high. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you notice that? Is that just me? Um, like he feels like the weakest strong guy I've ever seen. Uh, and stop doing that move because it just it's basically just like a hip toss bump that people are selling like they're dying. All right, that those are my two complaints, minor complaints. Who cares? Very harsh. I think I think Jeff Cobb's been fine. Okay, I'm not saying he's a brilliant wrestler. I don't think he should be I, I think he's in exactly the right spot on these cards in this company. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. Um okay, fourth match then. Whew, think nothing's getting spicy. Kota Ibushi defeating Tomohiro Ishii in fifty minutes forty one seconds with the Kalagoye. Oh, just these guys—they've—they've they've got such good chemistry. Like, murder Ibu, he's the best Ibu, and Ishii gets him there fast. There's no bullshit. It's just straight in to the hard-hitting action that we know and love. And again, I, I say it a lot. Ishii's subtle selling is so great. Like it's just a little moment where they're having the kick chop battle, where Ishii eats a kick and then he raises his arm. He's about to return fire with a chop, but then the adrenaline wears off. The delayed reaction to the kick sets in, and Ishii just he drops his arm. He just crumbles. Such a great little touch that just helped keep keep you immersed in the match. And again, Ibushi, his his cocky side, the little disrespectful kicks, and then Ishii jumps up, grabs him by the throat. At that moment where they're lying down, facing each other, kicking each other in the heads, and that turns into the slap battle. And then Ibushi just caving in Ishii's chest with a palm strike. The throat chops, throat punches. I mean, that's what we pay our money for, isn't it, Damon? The it flying really hip-up counter to, to the Kamigoya, that was great. Just a tremendous match. And, and Ishii, he's 0-3. Doesn't hurt him one yeah. bit. He is so valuable to this company in a G1 climax because he's just going to give you banger after banger after banger. You put anyone over, and at the end of the day, no one really cares how many points he's got just because he's fucking brilliant. He's, he is... So valuable to this company uh, because he is that guy that will give that to us, the pro wrest- the, the pro wrestling watches, watches, watchers, uh, moments like this. And he does it every fucking year. Like, when does he stop doing this? How, how does he continue to do this? Um, he's amazing. And I'm sorry, I, I I know people love to poke holes in fucking everything. And, oh, you're getting the same. It's a, uh, great, give me the same match every fucking time because it is 
wonderful. It's great. It's compelling. It's fun. My wife is here. She gives me vitamins and a, and a peck on the cheek. Uh, I'm, I'm, he's he's look. There is not a more consistent, a more uh, more consistent at a high bar than Tomohiro Ishii. Every fucking year he does it. Every fucking year he delivers. And the good news is, is that we there's more to come. You know what I mean? Like we have, we, we still got matches coming around the corner that are going to be fucking great as well. He is arguably an MVP for New Japan Pro Wrestling in the past five years. He may not be high on the card, but you know what you're going to get with this dude every single time he comes out. Uh, it's weird. I don't know how a guy who can perform at such a high level. Do you think Tomohiro Ishii is a Hall of Famer? Oh, I, this conversation just seems to pop up every year. Um, to be honest, I don't know enough about the uh, criteria to get into the Hall of Fame for me In to your say Hall yes. Fame. Okay, my Hall of Fame, yes. I think he's incredible. He's a Hall of Famer. I don't know about oh you know how much how much of a draw is he how much money is he made you know how many tickets he sell blah 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 the matches are awesome and that's what I'm interested in the matches put him in yeah he's just fucking consistently (sighs) unbelievable for years he's a Hall of Famer he's got to be a Hall of Famer he's got to be rewarded somehow for the fucking brutality that he puts his body through. Great match. Never gets hurt as well. I mean, he gets taped up a lot. That's for goddamn sure. Um, and once again, let's let's not let's not hand wave the, the job that uh, Abushi did. Yeah, I wanted to talk about him as well because I think this is a, a stark contrast to the Ishii Osprey match, which felt like just Osprey doing moves. This felt like a fight between yep. Ibushi and Ishii, and I think Ibushi has done a tremendous job so far in this G one, uh, getting interesting stories out of his opponent i mean the akada match to one side because he's you know his matches are what they are we've discussed that ad nauseum but the jay white match making jay white look like a million bucks and then here managing to have a really compelling back and forth fight with tomohiro ishii and i think serves to highlight maybe some next steps in the growth of will osprey he needs to be looking at ibushi and thinking how hard he works to make other people look good and to have yeah. dynamic and unique matches that are more than the sum of their parts. Yep. I didn't go full five with this. I'm at like the four and a halfs, the, 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 the high end of the fours. Um, but a great match. And a, and a match that multiple times got me out of my seat. Got plenty of Jesus Christs. Got plenty of uh, holy shits. Got plenty of, you know, it sounded like I was murdering a, a, my neighbor <laughs> at one point. Um, because of the, of the action, and this this match uh, and the one that follows uh, are matches where this is this is where I felt like oh, I haven't felt this way in in months. I haven't I haven't felt these things in my body in months. I haven't felt the passion and the and and the excitement and the energy. And and sitting on the edge of my chair, months, uh, and this was the first 
to make that happen. So uh, God bless Kota Ibushi and Tomohiro Ishii. I also think it's worth pointing out that Ibushi is constantly being announced as the reigning G1 champion, and I'm not sure that's been done in previous years, as uh, Nicole's pointed out to me. And also Japanese commentary has been putting over the idea of Ibushi retaining because there's a lot of references to Chono and Tenzan when Ibushi's being discussed. So they are definitely laying the groundwork to make that appear a, a distinct possibility of Ibushi being able to retain the Grade 1 Climax. So something to think about. As we go into our fifth match, which was Shingo Takagi defeating Will Ospreay in 22 minutes, 3 seconds with the last of the Dragon. Uh, Damon, I'm going to let you go first here. Take it away, my friend. Here it is. This is when we talk about it. This is when we, uh, you know, the debate of stars and why people talk about star ratings and all that. And at the end of the day, I've always said that you feel five stars. You feel it. You know it. It's in your, it's in your heart. It's in your soul. It, it's a warm blanket that fucking covers you and makes you feel wonderful and that's what this did these two are perfect together perfect they are a compliment they are peanut butter and jelly they are bacon and eggs they make it work unbelievable again the difference between this match with will and his match with ishii is it felt like that it it all the pieces of the puzzle connected. And the build, look, this was one that I had circled in my calendar because we know what they were able to do last year and they, where they stood in our poll for match of the year, where they stood in the Observer, where they stood in stood in uh, Voices of Wrestling, where they st- everybody. If it wasn't their number one match, it was definitely top three, no doubt. So a lot of expectations. A lot of expectations. I think they not only match those expectations, in, in some ways I feel like they exceeded those expectations. I thought this match was fucking unbelievable. The Shingo headbutt <laughs> was the un- it was fantastic. Will was on fire. Everything clicked. Nothing felt like it was out of place. It was high-paced. Um, action galore. Look, this is, this is my pro wrestling. And for the first time in 2020, I can say I felt that feeling again. Um, and, I, and I knew I, I would, even though we're in October, and it took a long fucking time to feel it. I felt it. And it felt good. For the first time in a year, that feeling felt good. So uh, these two guys, imagine an intercontinental feud. Imagine that. Let them Let them fight for some big boy belts. And I'm telling you right now, and I know people don't want to fucking hear it, and I apologize. No, I don't apologize, but I'm going to say it anyway. Will Ospreay is going to be an IWGP heavyweight champion. I'm, uh, he's going to be an IWGP heavyweight champion. Uh, and 
that uh, Okada match, Sumo Hall, if you haven't already circled it, I think that's going to be a very important match um, in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I, I could be dead wrong, but I feel that in my bones. So, uh, with that being said, it gets the five. It gets the full marks. Uh, I couldn't ask for anything more. Chef's kiss, pants down, boner, all of it. But best of all, good feeling. Good feeling again. This was definitely a step above Osprey's match with Ishii. And here you could see him just going all in with the, the heelish cockiness. He's just, just been an absolute twat. With yeah. his punchable face and, and uh, the, the promo build-up where he's, he was saying in the lead-up he's going to beat Shingo in his Kobe backyard. And yes, just some of the, the feats of timing and athleticism in this match. Just one little moment where they were doing their strike exchange and Shingo had his back to Osprey and Osprey just launched this high kick at his, Shingo's head. And Shingo, without even looking, just managed to duck... And the kick missed him by centimeters, and that was just amazing. There's just the, the the synergy between these two professional wrestlers to manage to pull off something that fast and dangerous and executed to perfection definitely deserves to be applauded. I just thought it was just really breathtaking stuff and like a nice mix between the the junior spots and the heavyweight stuff. I did see more of the heavyweight Osprey here than we've seen in his previous two matches. And I'd like the story at the end where Osprey, he's been showboating. He basically cost himself the match. He refused to go for the pin. He was fucking about, talking with the crowd and showing off. And then he got caught by Shingo. When he was up on the top rope, Shingo just got up because Osprey spent too much time um, fanning about. And Shingo just, big lariat, knocked him off the top rope, just crashed straight to the mat. And that was the point where I jumped out of my seat. It was like, ho ho! And then we got the Stay Dream off the top rope and then the Pumping Bomber and the Last of the Dragon. So Osprey, his, his cockiness was his downfall here. So I thought that was a, a really just great way to finish the match. And I, you know, I don't know if we're going to get a full Osprey heel turn. Um, Cola Blue says, are you getting Prince George from Black Advice from Osprey's new uber smug persona? I mean, yeah, it, it is definitely, I think, a better fit for him than... Uh, acting the good guy and I think it's a really interesting setup to this Okada match at Sumo Hall where we could have the dynamic where maybe we're cheering for Okada being you know come on please bring back the Rainmaker we want to see you Rainmaker this twat's head off because at that point we might be you know did all of us really wanting Osprey to lose because he's been such an asshole throughout the whole G1 so I think there's a really interesting dynamic there because previously in this Okada Osprey series. Osprey's been like, you know, the little brother and he's just not been quite at the level to to stand up to the dominant champion Okada. But now Okada's like the faded former champion and he's not at his best and he is underestimating his opponents. Whereas Osprey's coming in saying, you know, I'm the best wrestler in the world at the moment and I'm a heavyweight now and I'm I'm gonna win the G1, rah rah rah. So it sets up an interesting subversion of the dynamics between the two wrestlers going into that final block night. Your favorite is that your favorite match of 2020? Uh, I don't know. No, no, no. The um, Naito Okada match at Wrestle Kingdom 
92. That's not going to be beaten. That's going to be my favourite. It was one of the, the, my favourite matches I've ever seen. So I very much doubt that anything's going to top that. That's, that's good. I mean, that's, that's good. I, I'm kind of going, how about post-Wrestle Kingdom? It's definitely out there. There's been a lot of really good stuff in this G1. Uh, the Hiromu Ishii match as well during the New Japan Cup is up there. I, I love that match quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I think I preferred Naito Tanahashi to Osprey Shingo. Okay. Okay. That was good. I mean, that was really good. I, I just felt everything was perfect in this match. Like, from a from a hard-hitting pro wrestling match, I... I, I spectacular... Spectacularness? Um... Yeah, I loved it. I really did. It, let's put it this way: it's 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 a match I will go back and rewatch without question. Our main event was Jay White defeating Kazuchika Okada in eighteen minutes forty eight seconds with the Blade Runner, and just again more praise for Jay White and what a tremendous job he's doing. Like when Okada's making his entrance and Jay White grabbed the microphone and started chanting Okada, Okada. Never seen that done before. I had a huge smile on my face when he did that. It's just been a massive shithead. I love Jay White. And I mean, the match was okay. I think it was the weakest of Jay White's three G1 matches so far. I mean, to be fair, his other opponents were Shingo and Ibushi, who are like two of the best wrestlers on the planet. So that's to be expected and not necessarily uh, a fault of the match. But again, it's just the, the problem with this Okada thing. Uh, Eric writes in and says, I've started to actively root against Okada once he starts to put on that stupid Cobra clutch. Yeah. I was so happy yeah. when he lost to Jay because it felt like he got what he deserved for refusing to use there the Brainmaker and continuing this failed experiment. This can't be a good thing. So, yeah, it was what a lot of people predicted where... Okada has plenty of opportunities to use a Rainmaker, but doesn't because he's too busy fucking about with a money clip and then eats a Blade Runner and loses. So that's where we are. And, and again, it leaves me wondering, Wix, Okada is one and two now, and you'd think he needs to be back in the mix by the time that match with Osprey rolls around. So he's going to have to put a winning run together. But does that winning run, is that all with the money clip or is he going to bring back the Rainmaker? Like, can he beat Taichi, Ishii, Shingo, Cobb? Suzuki, can he beat these guys using the money clip? And I'm going to be quite upset if he beats Taiji with a money clip. I'll tell you that now. So it's the the big question: When is he going to bring back the Rainmaker? And more to the point, actually, do we care? You know, what's the reaction going to be? Are are we that emotionally invested in this Okada story that we're all going to be, you know, throwing our hands and go, "Yay!" when he when he finally does the Rainmaker? Or are we going to be going, "Finally, you're using your best move, you, you big idiot." Let me ask you a question. Do, do we have it wrong in the sense of we're all talking about Okada being the guy, you know, to to get a big win and, and move on to the finals? Does does Okada play the spoiler in that match against Will Ospreay? Does Okada beat? Mm. Well, I, I've been over this. I think that match is undeniably the main event. Do we agree that Okada Osprey must be the main event of that show? Yeah. And you cannot, well, you have never had a situation where that final match in the block final has featured someone who's already eliminated. It's never happened before. So right. that is, it's got to be the main event. And if that's the main event, that means both guys have still got to be in the mix. So it's got to be winner goes through. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the one monkey wrench in that whole scenario. So, okay. All right. We'll see. I mean, they got they got their work cut out for them, but that's you know 
they always seem to have their work cut out from to get a guy to a certain point and make things look even to the very last moment. So, all right. Um, what did you think of then Okada versus Jay White? I thought the match was good. I don't think the match was great. Um, I don't. I think I liked uh, Jay's performance against Ibushi more than I liked his performance against Okada. I th- still thought it was good, um, but I thought against Ibushi was it was another level. Um, that being said, I never I never felt like I got, and maybe. <laughs> I don't want to say the crowd got burned out from seeing two pretty fucking great matches back to back and then watching Okada struggle. Um, but maybe, but I just didn't feel like I was, I was in it. And that's weird for a main event, especially with Okada. I don't like the storyline, Joel. <laughs> I think this no, storyline is shit. You, there's no emotional connection to it because in yeah. Jay versus Shingo or Jay versus Ibushi, I'm cheering for Shingo. I'm cheering for Ibushi because I I want their you know their dynamic baby faces. They're sympathetic because they're getting beaten down, but I don't feel that connection with Okada because, like I said, it's it's like a self-imposed thing, and also just the wrestling isn't as good. It's not as as crisp and fluid and cohesive. And where's and the dropkick? That dropkick is nowhere near where it was six months ago, a year ago. Like, remember when that dropkick used to fucking lift you out of your seat when he hit it? He yeah, hits uh, that dropkick, and it's like, it's like, you know, I don't. It doesn't have any. It doesn't have the same impact, the same spring, same anything. And again, there's going to be so, debates over. Oh, he's he's doing his dropkick. On, he's doing it badly on purpose because it's part of the storyline. Well, okay, I don't know where I stand on that, but I think, again, the, the key point here is it doesn't matter whether or not he's trying to do it badly. The point is it looks bad and it's not good to watch and look at with my eyes. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, I don't... I mean, the only thing, Joel, is they're, we're doing this so that when the turnaround comes... Again, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Whatever fucking shit analogy you want to throw in there, great. Maybe, maybe when it happens, you'll feel that he's back. There's just better examples of it, like Honma with the Kokeshi. Always fucking misses it. But the point is, he's trying. He's trying his best to land that move, but he just right. never quite get the set, gets the setup or the timing right. Or the Stardust Press, even better example, where Naito's you know busting that out for the big occasions, and each time he's done it, he's fucked it up and and crashed into an empty spot on the mat, and it's cost him. But this is not because it's not his own fault that 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 has happened. It's just because I'm not doing a good job explaining myself. But you get my point, right? He's trying to use the move in a big spot. But for whatever reason, it's he blown kicks up out, yeah, you know, or, or something moves. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It wasn't the right time to do it, but at least he fucking said, "Okay, I'm I'm putting in all my fucking chips, and I'm trying to win this match." This is a guy who's actively saying, "I'm not going to do my most impactful move just because I want to do this move now." Yeah, and I, I, I get that it was effective during the New Japan Cup when he was putting away 
juniors when he's putting away guys like uh, Ishimori or dads like Nagata used it to beat Hiromu like okay fine you beat those guys but I still have yet to be given a convincing storyline reason why this has happened other than because he feels like it and to put the cherry on top the move looks like shit it looks terrible how many times? No, don't put your arm in front of your head. You got to move it behind. Oh, okay, we're just fucking. Nobody knows how to fucking get this thing. It looks terrible. And again, he, this is because he's got a cutter. I'm sure he knows how to apply that move correctly and effectively. So I will give him the benefit of the doubt that he's deliberately making it look clumsy and awkward and struggling to get it on. But uh, again, so. it's it's horrible to look at, and it doesn't make me excited. It just makes me think, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing that, you idiot? Right, you're not going to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to win. Uh, I, and look, if this is if this is the, the biggest fucking, you know, if this is intentional, they they're they're pulling a lot of people in this direction of of what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And hopefully the. The payoff comes, but I, I mean, I, I, it's just not a ride I'm interested in. Right. Is the juice worth the squeeze here? And that's been my, my opinion from day one. Like, okay, yes, we know it's a story, but is it a good one and is it worth it? And jury's out. I think the jury's mumbling and ready to give the old thumbs down. So, all right, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll sort it out. But, yeah, it's... Uh... So far, wet fart in church. <laughs> Back Chemical says, barring the results of tonight, uh, do we think it could be possible because of the limited crowds, Okada doesn't win the G1 and spars further and further until next year's G1? I know that might sound like it would suck, but it could give him a chance to build up more people in the car while Okada totally has lost his weight. And then by the 2022 Dome, we could see him in the main event again. I know this is also presuming that Naito's body can hold up for that long and he loses the title one or two times. So what do you say to that? I would say in the past, you know, the idea of Ghetto having his notebook chock full of booking ideas a year in advance might have been true. Um, I don't know how you can do that today. I don't know how you can do that. Uh, you know, I mean, all it takes is one fucking COVID spike and nobody's going, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know how you can book a year in advance. Uh, so, I think it's that that I that way of thinking is very risky to 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 think that those plans would be etched in stone for a year. Goldfather says, "Surely this is the year one of Evil Sonata Shingo White wins the G one. Has to be right. Please don't tell me Naito Tanahashi or Okada take the G one again. Uh, I am sticking with my original pick. I still think Okada is going to win the G one. Look, uh, that's my pick." Um, it doesn't look promising right now. He'd have to go on a pretty amazing run. Okay. Uh, it's not like it hasn't happened before, but um, it's not giving me a lot of confidence. That's for fucking sure. But yeah, I think uh, Okada wins. Andrew says, "What do you guys see happening if one of the competitors tests positive for COVID? Do they cancel shows, continue, but forfeit their remaining matches?" Yeah. Yeah, I mean they have to. I mean, I'm not, I haven't asked anybody about the COVID testing. I don't know if t- wrestlers get tested every every stop. I don't know the frequency, so um, I don't even know if they are testing. So 
That is a question I will ask. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get all the answers, specifically when it comes to wrestlers. I mean, we know the fan protocols, but wrestlers, I don't know. Um, so aside from the quarantine that the people coming in uh, had to have, uh, I don't know of any daily testing that's going on within the company. Jeff said, oh, no, okay, you know what? <laughs> I've, that's, that's enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm, right i'm gonna send up. you yeah, i'm gonna send you this one off the air and you'll see why oh. I, I didn't just <laughs> read it out okay right, that's, that's, that's it that is enough super j cast for everyone for another all week right. um all right so <laughs> you'll like this one okay uh redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash day jack who even read the fucking website super dash j dash cast give us money because we're not, never going to do the old patron gimmick, so help us out here. Got more fucking months in this hotel. Throw me a rope, guys. Um, really? And also thank you to our sponsors, uh, MyBookie, and you can use that promo code SuperJ to get those wonderful benefits that Damon outlined earlier. Uh, Discord link is in the show notes if you want to argue with people about the same three topics on a uh, daily rotation. <laughs> over there. And over uh, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast if you want to get one of our lovely t-shirts. And massive thanks, as always, to Editor Dan. You can find on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And give us a five-snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at SuperJCast. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and goodbye.